It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The Bengals make some more roster moves today. Joe will catch you up on the latest there. Some players released. One player signed that I'll fill you in on because that happened after Joe went to work. Then I'm going to be joined by Lindsay Patterson. If you follow me, you probably follow her. If you follow Cincinnati sports, you probably follow her. She covers the Bengals and FC Cincinnati. She covers the Bengals for the Inquirer. She's a sideline reporter for FC Cincinnati, and I'm excited to get a chance to talk to her about her journey because she's really been an up-and-comer in Cincinnati sports media for quite a while now, and I've talked to her going back to when she was producing for Mo Egger, so I'm excited to get a chance to talk to her. as She's now her own content creator, not a producer, but is doing her own thing on the Bengals podcast for the Inquirer, doing the sideline thing. Pretty cool stuff. Excited to talk to her a little bit later, but let's get you over to Joe for a breakdown on the free agents that the Bengals signed. The Bengals released two players today in an effort to save cap space and undo the bad offseason they had last year. When you look at the free agents they signed last year, Preston Brown, Bobby Hart, John Miller, and B.W. Webb. Well, today, after Preston Brown, they're even cut. We know about that. But today, released was B.W. Webb at corner who started 12 games last year, and John Miller at right guard. I think first, let's start with John Miller. It didn't seem like the fit was as perfect as they hoped. While that was their best signing last year, he was just barely okay when you watch the film, right? You look at him, the grades aren't great. But I thought at the very least he would be on this roster and compete with whoever they bring in at guard, because I think we're all assuming Michael Jordan, the second-year man, going in the second year, out of Ohio State, young, came out as a junior. He should be progressing, we hope, but it looks like he's going to get the left guard job, just the way it sounds. But what about right guard? And today, releasing John Miller, only saving $2.8 million, you look at it and say, 
okay, was that worth it? You, you get a little bit of money, and you're releasing a guy that started free last year in a position that really now I think becomes the biggest need on their team, more than linebacker, because you want to protect Joe Burrow. You can't let inside pressure beat him. The Bengals have to follow this up with some type of move. Does that mean a free agent signing is coming? Does it mean that it's a priority in the draft? This is not a great year to need a guard. Maybe it's a, a future tackle that can play at guard. Jake and I have, you know, thought about that possibility before. Maybe that's what maybe that's the road we're heading to, but I still expect a guard to be signed at some point. There are still a bunch of them out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jake on the next segment, because I don't know what he's going to do, but he'll probably go over the list of available free agents that we ranked. And there's still a couple guards, Andrews, Pete, Joe Hag, who Hag was injured last year, may not get signed as quickly because we can't have physicals right now with the coronavirus. So moving on to guard, B, or I'm sorry, cornerback, B.W. Webb, that move saves the Bengals $3.5 million in cap space. It's a little bit more significant after just signing Trey Waynes. The Bengals, as the time of me recording this, have not been able to unload the Drake Kirkpatrick salary or the Andy Dalton salary. We'll get to that in a minute. But the B.W. Webb, he, we always knew at the time, I mean, he's bounced around how many teams already, five or, or so. We knew at the time of the signing, it was always going to be a depth thing. They could always get out of it after one year. And here we are, they are getting out of it. But I think we look at the depth chart after this and say, okay, who is the nickel or slot corner? Ben Baby does mention of ESPN that the Bengals could bring B.W. Webb back later. And maybe that's like vet minimum type deal later, one-year thing, because he had a roster bonus coming up. So they're saving themselves of that. I think it was 600000 But Darius Phillips... His rookie year, he played 112 snaps, I think it is, and 80 on the outside. So 112 in the slot, 80 on the outside. He played a lot in the slot. He was a rookie fifth-round pick out of a max school. He wasn't great, but he was really good year two on the boundary. The thing is, when did Darius Phillips get beat? It was long speed on the boundary, right? And that's why you bring in a Trey Waynes. And the same thing with Kirkpatrick. But you bring in a Waynes who has the deep long speed. Sure, he doesn't have the deep ball skills, but... I think there may have been some concern with Phillips being susceptible to the deep ball. And he's got the ball skills, but he doesn't have the speed. He can get burned on those. Maybe you move him back in the slot, right? He had a really good run defense grade that rookie year. Uh, And you need to be able to be physical and defend the run from the nickel spot. Maybe he moves back inside. And you don't have to worry about long speed inside normally. Because you have safety help, you have linebacker help. Typically, you're not chasing guys downfield. So, maybe that's the plan. I still think we could see a nickel corner... Being signed, Brian Poole that we targeted went back to the Jets, $5 million a year. Just just happened, went across my timeline. But everyone else that's on the top of Jake and I, our list, are nickel or slot guys. So Jake will update you on that. I'm sure set the board on who's still there at guard, at corner, if the Bengals don't make a move. Again, I'm on midnights. I'm recording this now, 2 p.m. And the last bit of information or news is the big one that Nick Foles of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Chicago Bears have agreed to a deal. The Bears are sending their compensatory fourth-round pick to Jacksonville for Nick Foles, meaning Andy Dalton will not go to Chicago. And this is exactly what we thought was happening. The Bears are probably offering their fourth-round pick, and the Bengals want more than that. And, you know, you can call their bluff and say, no, we want that second-rounder. Because remember, Chicago doesn't have a third. Or you can get creative and say, give us that second, we'll give you the third, whatever. Chicago only wanted to give up that compensatory fourth-round pick. 
They flip it for Nick Foles instead and call the Bengals bluff. And where do the Bengals go from here? Is it only the New England Patriots that could potentially be interested and now they're not bidding against anybody else? What does that mean? Can you still get a fourth? Can you still get a third from the Patriots? I don't think so. At this point, how can you? You're looking at a fourth-round pick again. You're in the Tannehill-Joe Flacco range. I'm sorry, it is, right? He should get the same compensation those teams did. And that's what the Dolphins having to eat some of Ryan Tannehill's money. Are the Bengals going to have to eat $8 million in Andy Dalton? Is that why B.W. Webb and John Miller were released? We'll have to find out. But as we sit here today at 2 o'clock, remember, 2 o'clock on Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. I don't know what time it is. Or day it is, because I work overnights and the kids are home from school, so I'm getting two and a half hours of sleep, and then I'm up with them. Anyways, Bengals, good moves day day two. Day three seems they're gearing up for a move, but what exactly is it? And indeed, that is a question, Joe. It was Xavier Sua Filo, the offensive guard. He's played for Dallas. He's played for Houston. He has had one maybe two seasons where you would look and say he's graded well. He was solid in backup duty for Dallas last year. It looks like he made some strides as a pass blocker. He's a very athletic profile for a guard, especially ran really well in terms of straight line speed, ran well in agility drills, a little bit undersized, 6'4", 310, doesn't have great size to play interior offensive line in the NFL, but this is a correspondent move for John Miller. And, I think that this is just a representation of Jim Turner continuing to see the world a little bit differently than we do. You all follow Joe on Twitter, obviously. So you saw him respond, quote, tweet Paul Daner Jr. and say he's not good. And I think that the money doesn't necessarily indicate that he's going to be a starter. The average annual salary is just over $3 million per year with some competition on the roster and Billy Price and Michael Jordan, you hope, and, and even to some extent, I guess, you have to include Alex Redman. You hope that they're not relying on Xavier Suofilo to be a starter for them. But if he is, I mean, it's not like he's really much worse than John Miller. Maybe a little bit. But this isn't a move to be excited about. And... So that's two now, right? With Trey Wayne's getting probably a little bit more money than you want. There's some upside there, but the the truth of it is that that's more money than you would have liked to have seen paid to Trey Wayne's. Good for him as a as a player, as a person, but from a Bengals cap utilization perspective, that's a criticism. And then for Xavier Suofilo, not too much money, but we'll see if he actually makes an impact and see what kind of impact he can offer. And we'll see if Jim Turner is right and we're wrong because Jim Turner, I think, just he sees these big guys, he sees these nasty streaks, and he likes them. And we're going to have to see if that pays out with uh, Xavier Suofilo and this rest of the offensive line that currently is status quo. In just a minute, I'll be joined by Lindsay Patterson. You know her if you follow Cincinnati Sports. She's all over the place. Currently does the podcast for the Cincinnati Inquirer with Tyler Dragon, the beat writer who works for the Inquirer right now. We'll chat Bengals. Not as much happened today as I thought might. 
We're still waiting for the other foot to drop on Dalton and Kirkpatrick, but I'll get a feel from Lindsey Patterson, talk to her a little bit about what's going on in Cincinnati in just a minute. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, as promised, I'll be on with Lindsay Patterson here in just a minute. But before she joins us, Joe did say I would review our outstanding list of top available free agents. The Bengals signed Xavier Suofilo after he recorded that. So I'll still update you. I don't think that the Bengals are likely players for Joe Hager, Andrews, Pete, the offensive guards from the Colts and Saints. But depending on the price tag, it wouldn't necessarily be shocking if they did decide to go that route. The top guys available, though, HaHa Clinton Dix, the safety from the Bears most recently drafted, of course, by the Green Bay Packers. Jadavion Clowney, who's reportedly seeking about $20 million in free agency, coming off a contract with the Seahawks. He will not be back in Seattle, though. Then some cornerbacks in Tier 2, Logan Ryan, Nickel, Roby Coleman. I wouldn't necessarily hate looking at either of those guys as a slot option. And then there's a long list of tier three guys, a lot of them defensive linemen. You know, of course, the most interesting one to the Bengals might be Andrew Billings, who's not likely to return after the amount of money they spent on DJ Reader, and Nick Vigil, who at this point, I think, is our next best available linebacker. There's also guys like Devondre Campbell, Josh Bynes, Alec Ogletree in the same. Actually, Ogletree's in tier four. The other guys are in tier three. Out of those, I think I'd be most interested in actually taking a flyer on Josh Bynes. He played really well last year for the Baltimore Ravens, and he was a street-free agent, and I was just astounded at how well he played. We'll see if the Bengals make any other moves in free agency. They are tight against the cap right now. They're actually in negative cap space by my guesstimation before they release Andy Dalton and Drake Kirkpatrick, but let's talk to Lindsey and get a feel for what she thinks the direction for the Bengals might be for the rest of this free agency period. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And as promised, I'm now joined by Lindsey Patterson, who does the Bengals Beat Podcast for the Cincinnati Inquirer, is an FC Cincinnati sideline reporter, and... Works with Q102, which I remember from when I was in Cincinnati. The last time I was there, uh, lived there, was 15 years ago now, I think. Or maybe 14. Time flies, though, huh? Oh, my goodness. In this business, it goes by so fast. And I remember when I was living in Madison, Wisconsin, you were producing for Mo Egger. And i that's the first time I talked to you is when I came on. 
and did Mo's ESPN radio show. That feels like forever ago. And, and I credit Mo and Lance McAllister. I'm sure everybody knows both of them in Sports Talk Radio in Cincinnati. I, um, I interned there. Uh, probably 2010, I was still in college and I was just doing it just to get into the sports world, had no clue what I was going to do after that. And of course, when you work in radio, I'll be completely honest, you're going to have to have some other jobs. Um, so yeah, I took that job when I was in college, found out I was going to get hired part-time as a producer and I took it eventually full-time, um, worked that job for about four years while working other production assistant jobs on the side, some sideline in high school football in Cincinnati. So yeah, Mo, uh, Mo and Lance, I credit them for giving me the opportunity because I got to know a lot of people. And as you know, in this business, just making contacts and of course, social media has allowed me to do that. But making contacts allows you to get other jobs and really get experience in this business. Well, I, I remember I was scrounging for followers when I was doing the PFF thing back in, what was that, 2012, I want to say. And I'm looking now and you're 21,000 Twitter followers. And, and I've been doing this podcast now for a year. We've been doing pretty well. I don't know if you listen to us at all. But... I do. I do. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, I'm up to like... 4,000. I broke 4,000 yesterday. Big milestone moment. But then I look at you, 21,000. You've had a huge come up. And I recognized that on Twitter not too long ago. And I really admire actually your work ethic and, and just the way you've kind of made your way up the ranks, right? Starting with that producing. And, and now you've got, I remember when you always said, I want to be a sideline reporter one day. And now you're doing it in the MLS, right? How's that feel? It's a little crazy. Um, yeah, I'm from a really small town. I'm actually and and small town. I think Bengals fans will know it because I grew up near Wilmington, Ohio, and they used to have training camp at Wilmington College. So a lot of people are familiar with the area. Definitely when I talk to some veterans, they know exactly where I'm from. But I grew up where, you know, people just it was the middle of a cornfield, not a whole lot going on. And I said, I really I love sports. Um, I grew up in a family who loved the NFL and um, they actually still have season tickets for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I just knew I wanted to work in the sports world in Cincinnati because it made me a fan of the sport. Um, and I knew I wanted to do sideline. I never in a million years thought it would be soccer. And the way that is all turned out from five years with FC Cincinnati and year two in major league soccer, it's been a little crazy, a um, little bit of delay right now. And you know, I'm hoping that, you know, all the health matters and everything like that, everybody's okay. And that, that all ends at, at some point, but, um, but yeah, it's just a crazy thing to think about doing the sideline for FC Cincinnati and doing uh, a lot of busy work on the Bengals side. Well, I'm very happy for you to realize some of those dreams. And as someone who also wanted to work in sports media, right? Like I went to Princeton high school in Cincinnati. All our listeners know this already, but I was the chief editor of my high school newspaper back in my day and i was i i loved to write about sports i wrote for cincy jungle for a while so i get it i really connect with your story and i'm really happy to see that you've made it bigger than i have by by a lot oh no not at all you guys keep busy and honestly i learned so much from everybody else's podcast um i know you guys kill it over on social media and just on the websites and and podcast i i do i enjoy listening to it throughout the season because i think it's really important to listen to different people's opinions mm -hmm. and that's just something that i gather from other people who cover the team too and i think you guys do a great job 
it's hard to do sometimes there's so much content i remember one friday when you remember this you probably do remember this because i i tagged you in a tweet i was like man there's so much stuff that came out on friday i just got around to listening to Lindsay and tyler on the bengals beat podcast and there's just a lot of content out there so i do appreciate those kind words but Let's shift gears a little bit here and talk about the Bengals offseason so far, because you, I imagine, like the rest of us, are just shocked with what's going on, shelling out 90 plus million dollars in free agent contracts to two guys and the biggest contracts in terms of both percentage of the salary cap and obviously raw dollars. Those are always going to grow in the history of the team. I mean, what's the feel in Cincinnati? You're there. People have to be going crazy, right? You know, it's crazy because I think, and, and you saw it too on social media yesterday, probably most of the day, everyone was freaking out. This oh, team yeah. isn't going to do anything. You know, what are they going to do next year? They're all talk. Duke Tobin said they're going to be more active. Ian Rappaport on NFL Network said they were going to make more moves. And, you, and, and then I get to blame the media and I'm like, guys, back up, back up. And then a couple of hours later, they shell out nearly $100 million dollars. You know, some people will say they they overpay in in the cornerback area, but uh, I think it was great. I I think they're showing that they're ready to make some moves out there. And and as you know, Jake, you don't try to win free agency. And someone actually pointed that out on social media. He's like, you don't get a trophy if you win free agency. You look at a lot of teams who who have that. And and the Cleveland Browns, for for example, last year, oh, they're going to be really good next year. No, no, that's not the point. Uh, of spending the money, spend money on on guys who you feel like can get on the field and be starters. And I feel like they did that yesterday. And truly just remember a conversation I had with Carlos Dunlap. It was the last game of the season. They were cleaning out their locker rooms and, and he told me straight up. He's like, look, the record wasn't good. We know that, but I promise you there are things happening behind the scenes with Zach Taylor and his staff that people don't see. And we're going to get better. And I, I see that. And I honestly, I think the conversations of, Zach Taylor's telling us throughout regular season, we're sitting down with the owner. We're sitting down with Duke Tobin week by week by week. And I don't know if he, he got into, you know, more of the conversations and they're allowing Zach to make more moves or Duke Tobin to make more moves. All of that's behind closed doors at the moment. But I think it's it's pretty remarkable what they were doing this offseason. And I think it's really telling to have a full offseason with Zach Taylor and his staff to show Hey, we're ready to make some moves. Two and fourteen fans. Fans aren't going to come back. And and yeah, the excitement with Joe Burrow is awesome and all, but we have other holes to fill in other departments. And I think yesterday was really surprising. And I just don't feel like they're done yet. I I don't think they can be right. I think if my shaky math, my my guesses at these contracts is correct, I think they're over the cap right now. And that's kind of crazy to think about, right? Like the Bengals <laughs> over the cap, but the cap. they are gonna move on from Andy Dalton. Their options to trade him are essentially down to New England and hoping that the longstanding relationship with Bill Belichick and the trade history that he has with Duke Tobin works out. There were rumors swirling in Indianapolis that Bill Belichick thinks that Andy Dalton has all this untapped potential. And so what's your feel? Have you got anything that we haven't heard or what's your intuition telling you about Andy Dalton because that's the next domino that has to fall. His salary and Drake Kirkpatrick's salary cannot fit into the future for the Bengals' plans. 
And they can't. And I know there are a few people still hanging on it. Well, what if he stays for another year and, and he, and he kind of bridges or he's the backup? No, that's not going to happen. He's way too expensive to do that. So they are not going to allow that to happen. I, I thought a couple days ago before all the Cam Newton stuff and, and just the other moves of veteran quarterbacks and other teams making quarterback moves, I thought for sure that Andy Dalton's chances of going to Chicago were extremely high and he would be the pick. But how the dominoes fall, and I think a lot of people brought up good points on social media today when you don't have a lot of time. We don't know what's going to happen during these off-season workouts. If off-season workouts don't happen, and then you're getting into training camp, what happens? You know, as far as regular season, nobody can predict that right now. So you're going to want someone you're familiar with, and that works out for Nick Foles going to Chicago. But I definitely thought Andy Dalton was going to go there. Um, but the, at the moment, my feel on it, it is New England. But if the team is just going to release them, I don't see New England trying to make any moves, even though they do have past relationship with the Bengals and, and making other moves and getting other players. When you look at Chad Johnson, Corey Dillon, Rex Burkhead, Marquise Flowers, they're, they're definitely a good relationship between Bill Belichick and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think I'm interested just as a football fan to see Andy Dalton go to Bill Belichick in New England. I think New England sells a lot of holes too, but to see maybe Andy Dalton in a new place to see how he succeeds, if he can succeed. Um, I agree with you with Drake Kirkpatrick, both of those guys. I don't see them on this roster. Definitely not Andy Dalton going into 2020. Yeah, it's just they're they're up against it, and they're going to want to have their $12 million for rookies. They're going to want to have their contingency fund. And even after moving on from Andy Dalton's contract <laughs> and from Drake Kirkpatrick's contract, they're still going to be pretty tight. And they signed Xavier Suofilo today. Signed him for $3.3 million per year, essentially, replacing John Miller, who immediately goes and signs with the Carolina Panthers. Is Suofilo going to be expected to start? That seems like competition money more than starter money. I definitely feel like that's more competition money. Um, and I think when you look in the draft for me personally, this is how I feel. And I don't know how a lot of fans feel that I might, you know, they might not like my take on this, but I think offensive line is more important than your linebacker situation. Yeah. The linebacker room is really interesting right now. And you got to sign someone and I'm feeling Nick Vigil will come back almost like a scenario that we saw last season with Darko Zanard. They let him test the market. He wasn't getting anything. He came back to Cincinnati. I feel like that was Nick Vigil. I don't think they'll overpay or anything like that. But I think when it comes to the linebacker room, you work on that maybe later in the draft. But the offensive line is where you're looking at on that right side. Um, again, a lot of people forget that Jonah Williams, when, when someone at Andrew Whitworth to come back to Cincinnati, and of course he's going to L.A. for three more years. I'm like, look, you have this rookie in Jonah Williams who you haven't seen yet. Give the guy a chance play left side but your right side is, is still a concern and I still think that they're going to draft when it comes to guards and you have to replace Miller's spot I don't know Xavier will be the starter next year it'll make for an interesting training camp when you're competing for that side but um I, I'm not my guy Tyler Dragon is calling on the starter right now I'm just not there yet it's not just Tyler either. It's Paul Daner. I th I don't remember what Ben Baby's tweet was about Xavier Suofilo, but it seems steep, right? This is a guy that's been a backup the last couple of years. He hasn't really ever had a year that I would call good. You can mm -hmm. go back and you can identify some things on tape. I talked about him a little bit earlier in the show. He's a really good athlete for a man of that size. He's a 90th percentile sprint speed kind of guy. He's a uh, 70 to 90 percentile agility guy 
but he he doesn't have great bursts, and he's just the technique never panned out. He was a thirty third overall pick though six years ago, so there is some pedigree there. It's just you're asking a lot if you're betting on Jim Turner to turn him around into a starter. And I know that things were better in the second half of last year, but I I, I just I think that the Bengals are more comfortable with the offensive line than we are as fans. It's funny because um, I actually talked to Trey Hopkins last year, probably in September. And I just remember going to him. This was before he was the best player on the offensive line. And we knew that was probably going to happen going into last season. But I just went over to his locker before week one. And I was just like, how hard is this as the center? And it almost feels like you guys are playing musical chairs each week. They try something Mm -hmm. new and this guy's going to go here. And you had the Cordy Glenn situation where he was out for most of the season. And he says, you need that chemistry. And and that's not breaking news on an offensive line, but the center does need that. You need consistency. And unfortunately they're not going to have these offseason workouts more than likely. And then you get into when they are going to take the field together and, and needing that preseason before you get into regular season. I think it's going to take a little bit of time with this offensive line. But I, I, I don't I, I think they need when they decide who's going to be the starter, you got to stick with that guy until you realize, hey, this isn't working. And Zach Taylor is one of those guys, which we hadn't seen before since last season when he would when he even pulled Andy Dalton. The guy's not going to start. He's not performing out there. I have different reasons on why he did that but I think that worked out for the best for everyone um but he's one of those guys who's going to play the best player in his position so when you look at the offensive line right now they really got to find what works for them and I honestly think they're going to pick one up in the draft early and I think Billy Price gets a chance to right Fred Johnson gets a chance at tackle and I think that a lot of fans would welcome the addition of another offensive lineman in the draft. But as Joe and I have been going through our pre-draft process, it just isn't lining up like pretty much anywhere. Maybe third, maybe round three, maybe the top of round four, you find a guy that you like well enough. I know that Jim Turner likes some of the guys down Travis Steele, Travis Steele, not Travis Steele. What's his name? Steele, the guy, the offensive tackle, at the Senior Bowl. I'm losing my train of thought right now. I'm not going to remember. That's okay. (laughs) There are guys that could be late-round targets, but none of them are going to be coming in to challenge Bobby Hart at this point. It's it's just, uh, you know, I I think Jim Turner sees the world a little bit differently than everyone else. And... I think that uh, for better or worse, that's going to be what we get this year. And you just hope that Joe Burrow is, because he's going to be the guy, is is able to operate in that system. And you hope that Taylor and the coaching staff are able to, I guess, mitigate that issue and play to Burrow's strengths because that could be a weakness for the team, as well be linebacker, right? So those are the two holes that still are out there. What are we going to do about it? And I think with the offensive line, what's interesting with that, and I think it's honestly been the story for ever since Andrew Whitworth left and they lost Kevin Zeitler too. It's people who think that, oh, they didn't draft an an offensive lineman in the second round. And in the past just couple years, and I know the Billy Price was a miss right now, but it's like you don't, even Dave Lapham has said it, 
there wasn't the talent there in past drafts that you really wanted to get a guy that could really come in and be the starter. So that's where they struggle. I mean, it's just not hitting on draft picks and just having an offensive line guy who's available in the second and third round who they do feel like can come in and compete. So they've struggled on that front, but the Bengals aren't the only team with bad offensive lines. I mean, it's a story around the NFL. But I, I actually think, honestly, the Kevin Zeitler thing is still interesting because how much money have they wasted? And they could have just paid the guy <laughs> at this point. It's just how much money, how many replacements are you going to bring in? It's a revolving door to be like, hmm, that probably could have worked out. And it's not just Billy Price, right? We're seeing the same thing with wide receiver. They let Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu go. They spend the next two years drafting Tyler Boyd, after luckily missing on the first round of the draft receivers that year, because that was not a good year yeah. for first round receivers. And then John Ross, instead of, uh, do I even say, I mean, oh, Patrick you don't Mahomes. even want to bring up the John Ross draft. No uh, way. It's, it's, I don't even hate the pick, right? But it's just, they put themselves in a position where they let guys go. And this is a team that prides themselves on building through the draft. They let guys go that were good. And, and then they have to draft or replace, and you're not going to hit on your draft picks every time. Not that John Ross is a bust. No, not yet. Healthy, I don't think that. But they're forced to spend capital to replace these positions where they're missing in the draft and they're not extending their guys. Whitworth, Zeitler, the receivers. At this point, we're, we're going to be talking about linebacker for like the fourth year in a row. We're going to have to start talking about cornerback pretty soon because William Jackson may or may not pan out this year. It's a pretty big year for him. So it's just a, a, a bit of a cycle they're in right now where in the early 2010s, they were hitting in their drafts. They were getting the comp picks. They were replenishing. And then 2015, they suddenly stopped. And they've been missing more than they're hitting too much in the last three years in particular. And and I want to go back to that, the Marvin Jones thing. And I'm just bringing a throwback here. It has nothing really to do with, with 2020, but you and I might disagree on this. I truly believe, and Marvin has said it, he wanted to be a number one receiver, so I totally got that. I totally got le- letting him go. Yeah, so let me just jump in. Because the reason he went to Detroit is because they gave him more guaranteed money, period. And I, I, I get that. I get that. And I get guaranteed money is a huge thing when you're looking at the differences in, between the contracts and a lot of the linebackers who were off the board yesterday and, and when it comes to guaranteed money. But at the same time, I truly feel he wanted to be a number one receiver and he wasn't going to be that in Cincinnati. But I know a lot of people feel differently and it is money and it is number one receiver, but that that's just my take. You probably talk to him a little bit more than most people that opine otherwise. I never got the chance to talk to Marvin Jones uh, personally, so I, I don't have a feel for it. And you could de- definitely be right. I'm not claiming that I am, but uh, I think that money talks in a large way and, and maybe small differences, you can't get over it, but it seems like they've put this to bed a little bit this year, right? With signing DJ reader to a huge contract. We don't know the details yet, but you assume a lot of that money's guaranteed Yep. more than they've ever given out to an external free agent before, but you see it with the linebackers, Nick Kwiatkowski. That's a reasonable deal. $7 million a year. They couldn't close the deal. You see it with Corey Littleton. Maybe they're never in that game, right? $13 million a year, $12 million a year. And then Joe Schobert, you're in on him, and then you get outbid by a billionaire. Hard to blame Mike Brown for that, but easy to blame an NFL team for that when you're so deficient at linebacker. On the other side, I do credit the Bengals for not valuing, not overvaluing and, and panic spending at linebacker because 
honestly, I don't like the Joe Schobert deal. I really like the Kwiatkowski and Littleton deals because I think they're better players and those are better values. But it's just, if it wasn't for the reader signing and the Wayne signing, we'd be talking about the same thing where they're not closing the deal. Do you think, and, and I always wondered this from just anybody else's outlook on it, when you hear their name in conversation that, hey, the Bengals were in this, but, you know, they just couldn't seal the deal or they couldn't, you know, shell out the extra million, two million. I mean, we heard that with Andrew Whitworth after he left. How do you feel about that? Would you rather them not talk about that at all and be like, oh, the Bengals lost another one, another linebacker's off, another linebacker's on? But to hear their name, like, hey, the Bengals were try- they were aggressive in this, or they at least tried, but, you know, maybe the last million, they, they weren't in it. As a content producer at this point, <laughs> I, I want to know that because it gives me insight into their tendencies, right? And I can say, oh, look, they tried to get Joe Schobert last year. They didn't want to spend more than $10 million. So let's look at the linebackers that are available in 2021. Well, who, who do we think that they might be able to get that won't exceed their comfort level with this? And we have this history, right? They don't pay guards, no, Clint Bowling notwithstanding. Don't because they paid Clint Bowling, but not a ton, but they paid him. And they don't pay linebackers. Again, Vontez Burfecht notwithstanding, you can go back, I guess, to Keo Spikes. Did they give him a second deal? I can't remember. That's before That's my time question. a little bit. Brian Simmons. But th- they don't pay those positions. They pay corners. They pay wide receivers. They pay quarterbacks. They pay offensive tackles. And they do they pay corners. safeties? They pay safeties, I guess. So... I, I do credit them in some ways for their positional valuing strategies because it's generally pretty good. I'm a little bit afraid of Joe Mixon. What do you think is going to happen with Joe Mixon? Oh, my goodness. I go back and forth with this. Um, everyone knows and you hear the the same old thing, running backs are a dime a dozen. They are. Um, but I honestly think Joe is a smart guy. He's listening to other people. He's watching other things that he's going to be like, okay, I want paid. I don't yep. think Joe Mixon is going to sit out anything or, or won't be there. He will be there for the 2020 season. But I still think he would like this contract to go ahead and get taken care of. Or the Bengals just kind of roll the dice and say, let's just have him play this season out. And and if he has anything like he did towards the end of last season or the year before that, I mean, then, you know, Joe might win this contract or, or Joe might get more than we thought. But at this point, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I want to say you pay him. I want to say you get the deal done, but there's still a little part of me that says just let him play 2020. Well, and, and they're talking to him, right? They're already they're talking. This is happening. Yeah. This is, this is all happening on the side. They are talking to his agent. You know, they're trying to get this deal done, but they were trying to get the AJ Green deal done last season too, and that didn't work out. So they can be talking, yeah. and it doesn't mean anything. Um, but I, I I am so on the fence on this. I I want to say that you, you pay the guy, but at the same time. I think you risk it. I think you risk it and you let him have this 2020 season. And if you have to overpay next season, you overpay. I have a lot of problems with running back pay in the NFL in general. I think that it's not very fair. And I I think (laughs) that for the player that I want to see Joe Mixon get paid. Yeah. As a fan of the Bengals and wanting to see the team succeed. I don't want to see the Bengals be the team that pays him. And Mm -hmm it's just really hard, right? He was one of the best running backs in football down the stretch last year. We said it all the time on this show, but until they use him, like the Panthers use Christian McCaffrey, it's even if they do use him, like the Panthers use Christian McCaffrey, I don't want to pay him more than, 
you know, $10 million a year. And I think he's worth more than that to someone else. And then what are you doing with Gio? They got to move on from Gio. As much as I like Gio, yeah. they, they, they can't afford to spend, what is it? They've got a, a five, nearly $5 million cap hit on Gio this year, and he hardly plays. I don't, and I asked Zach Taylor about that. I said, are we going to see more? And of course, you know, when you're talking to someone, they might just give you a little coach speak. But I, I said, with Gio and Joe next year, are you going to, you know, try and balance that out a little more and maybe see more of Gio? And, you know, he, he wants to try that out, but everything's going to be different when you bring in, when you bring in Joe Burrow. Well, yeah, I with mean, Joe... With Burrow, you're going to go more five wide, right? And maybe Gio gets on the field that way. But Joe Mixon has proven that he can be a capable receiver if given the opportunity. So that's a really interesting question. I would love to see them find a way to trade Gio, give him a nice landing spot, let him keep his contract. It's a solid contract for running back. Get a little bit back, maybe a sixth, fifth round pick. Uh, But you, you can't really, the way they're making moves today, you know, we're, we're still expecting to see Drake or Patrick get cut because you can't pay him and Trey Waynes. They obviously can't pay Andy Dalton what they're paying him. And and then you look at Gio and it's like, man, you could you could use that five million dollars somewhere that's going to help the team in 2020 more yeah. than like the 400 snaps Gio might play if we're aggressively projecting him. That's that's something I didn't get with the offense last year. And, and I was completely honest with him when I talked to him because you had Tyler Reifert, who was healthy. Mm-hmm. And my my problem with that, if I'm looking at the organization during the trade deadline, and I know a lot of people were saying the same thing, but like if, if you weren't going to use Tyler Eifert, why didn't you get rid of him? Yeah. And who knows what the offers were either, right? And, yeah, that's true. It was a weird year. I, I don't know how much control Zach Taylor had until now. Mm-hmm. And now you hear this talk about them being aligned. And I think that that plays itself out, right? Because they're not spending this much money if they're not truly aligned. So clearly things are different. It's not business as usual at Paul Brown stadium anymore. And I'm just going to quickly check. Has anything happened in the I, last I actually 20 have minutes? Phone out doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't look like it. It looks like we, we don't have any news, which is a little surprising. I actually thought that we would see Andy Dalton and Drake Kirkpatrick move today since the year open. Maybe they're waiting for the physicals um, on DJ reader and Trey Waynes, but Lindsay, it has been great to chat with you this evening. I hope the rest of your quarantine goes well, stays safe. And we'll look forward to hearing your content out there. The Bengals Beat Podcast. Look for on the sideline when FC Cincinnati plays its games. If they play their games, I guess. It's a wild time. It's a wild time. And how do you feel with with the NFL kind of going on as planned right now? It's, I mean, it's, I like it personally. It's a mixed bag. I, yeah. I, um, as a, as a person who records a podcast five days a week, yeah. uh, I'm thankful because the dead months are brutal, but, uh, from, from just a human perspective, there's more important stuff going on right now. And oh. I'm, I have a really hard time focusing at my day job right now. Like I've got friends overseas trying to get home and I worry about them and, you know, I'm on the other corner of the u.s i'm in canada right my parents are in on the other corner of the continent so um you know there's a little bit of existential dread going on but as a millennial with climate change looming oh man i just triggered so many of my listeners um i'm kind of used to living with that but it's nice to have the distraction i guess i I always tell people and this is why i i 
I, I like that the NFL is, is semi going on as planned. I know there, there are some um, things that they're working on and how they do the physicals and off-season workouts is yeah. to be determined. And I agree with you. There are far more important things going on in the United States versus any sports. And if it has to be postponed or canceled, it just has to be. But my thing with sports, and, and I, I've shared this on social media, I think it's one of those things where you get away from what is happening on the news when you can – talk about sports mm-hmm. or you can see sports news and with with not having a whole lot of that right now it has always been kind of a distraction and for some fans it's like look i know there are bigger things going on but hey let's let's talk a little Bengals yeah. today or, or let's talk a little nfl so i agree with you like 50 50 right now it's it's nice to have the break and it's nice to have the distraction i just hope that everything else goes well you know because we, we don't have any control over any of it but no um you know, all I can say is stay safe, wash your hands, yep, uh, be responsible, and uh, that goes for you too. So thanks again, Lindsay, for coming on. Go check thanks, out the Jay. Bengals Beat podcast. Go check out – find Lindsay on the sideline. Uh, uh, you know, go to the Bailey and hang <laughs> out at the FC Cincinnati games. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.